Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. 130,000 veterans of the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq will be coming home to Massachusetts. Two weeks ago, I was invited to spend the day with a small gathering of clergy, social workers, and veterans administration personnel to begin to imagine how we might respond to this tsunami of wounded warriors and support their families. A good part of the day was devoted to educating us about the similarities and differences between post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury and to suicide prevention. I looked across the room at one of my Catholic colleagues. Not much gets to him, but I could see that his face was strained above his white clerical collar. I could feel his fear and the temptation to despair. A few minutes later, he texted me a single expletive. Guess it's okay when it's a text message. (laughs) Then one of the suicide prevention experts presented some, some, some statistics that unlocked a thin ray of hope. There's a study of people who jump from San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge, and here are two of the illustrations with a remarkable through line. One, Dr. Jerome Motto was deeply affected by the death of one of his patients who leapt to his death in 1963, and of another man who suicided from the bridge in the 1970s. He said, I went to his apartment afterward with the assistant medical examiner. The guy was in his 30s, lived alone, pretty bare apartment. He'd written a note and left it on his bureau. It said, I'm going to walk to the bridge. If one person smiles at me on the way, I will not jump. Two, 19-year-old Kevin Hines lived to tell this story. He was suffering from bipolar disorder when the voices in his head directed him to kill himself. He was crying as he walked out onto the span. A police officer on a bike passed without stopping, as did two bridge workers in buggies. The voices from within were insistent, you have to die. He bargained that if only someone would show they cared, he wouldn't jump. Just then he was approached by a glamorous woman wearing huge sunglasses. It's okay, he thought, she cares. Ignoring his tears, the woman extended a camera and asked in accented English if he would take her picture. He snapped the photo as she walked away. Kevin Hines turned, took three running steps, and threw himself off the bridge. Obviously, caring is not foolproof. Many of us, and I am in this number, have cared bottomlessly for people intent on self-destruction. 
Nothing could have stopped them. Nothing did. And we are left to try to make sense of the senseless. But among those for whom suicidal ideation is a passing madness, Dr. Richard Seiden puts the average high-risk period at three months. We have learned that most suicidal behavior is crisis-oriented. If we can somehow intervene in the lives of those who don't really want to die, it may mean the difference between life and death. And the intervention may be as simple as a smile. To care is literally life-giving. Kevin Briggs, a friendly sandy-haired motorcycle patrolman for the Golden Gate Bridge, has a knack for spotting jumpers and taking them back from the edge, talking them back from the edge. He's coaxed in more than 200 potential jumpers without losing one over the side. In 2002, he won the Highway Patrol's Marin County's Un Uniformed Employee of the Year Award. And um, he was asked, so what do you say? And I thought this was incredibly useful. He says that he starts talking to a potential jumper by asking, sorry, how are you feeling today? <laughs> it gets better. Then, what's your plan for tomorrow? If the person doesn't have a plan, Kevin Brink says, well, let's make one. And if it doesn't work out, you can always come back here later. How are you feeling today? Do you remember John Prine's song, Hello in There? The chorus in the last verse say, you know that old trees just grow stronger and old rivers grow wilder every day. Old people just grow lonesome, waiting for someone to say, hello in there, hello. So if you're walking down the street sometime and spot some hollow ancient eyes, please don't pass them by and stare as if you didn't care. Say. Hello in there. Hello. Karen Christensen is my colleague at the First Congregational Church of Buxton, Maine. Last month, she was heartbroken by the death in nearby Portland of a homeless man named Donald Trumbly. She writes, I hope that somewhere, sometime in Don's life, someone reached out to hold his sweet face in their hands. I hope that someone told him or showed him that he was one amazing, unrepeatable, exquisitely beautiful embodiment of the holy. I hope that somewhere along the way he got at least an inkling of the deep truth that he held within himself, a capacity for spirit and wholeness, a spirit that longed to dance with spirit. Some people believe that the ability to love and apologize and forgive and begin again and be grateful can only follow from our having learned how to love ourselves, to apologize and forgive ourselves. I am not among those people. I say we teach it to each other. Learn it from each other. Fake it till we make it. Try and falter and fail and try again and by grace break through into some kind of glimpse of the holy. 
I hear Reverend Christensen's longing as a directive. Let's not miss the chance to feel it, say it, do it, be it. If I learned nothing else from living at the epicenter of the AIDS crisis in the 1980s is that we might not get another chance to say, I love you, or I'm sorry, or I forgive you. Life is so short and so precious, we might not get another shot at a do-over. It might just be now or never. This might be our only opportunity to say thank you. The only time we have is the present, this gift we call the present. Let's not miss it. And what if we have missed it? What if we didn't smile or show we cared? What if we didn't love, apologize, forgive, begin again, and give thanks in time? What if they've jumped, either literally or figuratively, and it's too late? No one makes it to adulthood without missing it. Many, perhaps most of us, don't make it through a day without missing it. It's a fierce lens to look through. Fierce, but not unforgiving. We may not be able to back up, take it back, make it right in the past, but every moment proffers us the chance to do just that in the present. We can pay it forward. Many of you remember the murders at preterm and Planned Parenthood in Brookline on December 30th, 1994. Leanne Nichols and Shannon Lowney were gunned down at work by an anti-abortionist. Because their memorial service and the subsequent Roe v. Wade rally were conducted here, the church and I became targets of bomb threats and death threats. A police detail covered the church and a small army of bodyguards was assigned to me. I was much too angry to be afraid and wild with grief. I hardly noticed them. But every day for months, day and night, they put their lives on the line for us and for me. Two of them still visit us here on occasion, devout practicing Catholics, I should say, who grew very fond of this spiritual community while watching my back. But what about the others? I don't even know to whom I should address the letter that should begin, dear friends, sorry I didn't get around to thanking you 14 years ago, but better late than never. It's enough to make a person think twice and pay it forward. But I also want to say that sometimes if we're very, very lucky, we get to do it over and do it right. This past Thursday, a truck was pouring cement out in our front yard here, and the alley and our parking lot were completely blocked. A Boston police officer was on traffic detail. I rolled down the window, and we had a good-natured conversation in which he agreed to let me drive the Jeep up and over the sidewalk so I could get inside for a meeting. And After I'd parked, the officer approached me, extended his hand, introduced himself, and said he'd been wanting to meet me for a long time.
He told me that he actually felt like he knew me quite well because 14 years ago he'd been working as a detective and had been assigned, as he said it, Lord, to chase after you and those two pretty little girls. How old are they now? You doing me work into the bone, working all over this city. Lord, a pastor does more than preach. That's what I learned. <laughs> and suddenly, finally, I was inside the bear hug of this huge man telling him how much I admired his bravery. It was nothing, he said. You all were doing the right thing. Everybody was just trying to make it better after that evil. And then holding his hand for a long moment, I was able to look into his beautiful face and thank him. Finally, thank him for having my back, having our backs in our darkest hour. I missed it once. But thank God I didn't miss it again. My spiritual companions, just one smile could mean the difference between life and death. Just one gesture of caring could crack open despair with hope. Let's say hello in there. Each and every one of us is one amazing, unrepeatable, exquisitely beautiful embodiment of the holy. Let's mirror that for one another. Try and falter and fail and try again, by grace, break through with some kind of glimpse of the holy. Let's not miss it. And if we miss it, we can pick up where we left off. We can pay it forward, if not pay it back, right here, right now, in this gift we call the present. I give thanks for you, thanksgiving, every day. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Amen.